This is the Pathways Podcast. This podcast exists to help you find completeness in Jesus. Hi, this is Scott Ensminger, one of the co-hosts of the Pathways Podcast, and you're hearing the Pathways Podcast on a different podcast of ours here at Christ Church because we just wanted you to hear some of the stories that we have been having conversations with for people for the past few months now on the Pathways Podcast uh, that celebrate the 70 years of Christ Church. There's everything from former pastors on it uh, to some of our church families to uh, some of our elders here at Christ Church, but just wanted to give you... Uh, an opportunity to be able to hear these stories and just see what God has done uh, through the last 70 years at Christ Church for Nago. I want to thank you for listening to the Pathways podcast. This podcast exists to help you find completeness in Jesus. My name is Scott Ensminger, one of the co-hosts of the podcast. And for the last uh, five, or, five or so episodes of stories, we've been having people share stories about the 70 years of Christ Church. And with me today is Chad Monahan. Chad, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Scott. Sure appreciate it. So Chad was one of our youth ministers here at Christ Church. And Chad, just love for you just to give an update of what's going on in your life, uh, what's going on with the family, and also how long were you at Christ Church? What years were you here, part of the family? Yeah, um, I am in Indianapolis, Indiana. Currently, we've been here for going on 10 years. It'll be 10 years this spring. Uh, my wife, Katie, and I, we have three boys we have Abram, who is 18 years old. He's a senior this year at Franklin Central High School. We've got Micah Monahan, who's 16. He's at Franklin Central. And then Sammy is 11 years old in fifth grade. And work at Indian Creek Christian Church here in Indianapolis. And have been here uh, the whole time since we left Southwest Missouri. Um, I came here and was a youth pastor for several years. And my roles changed a couple of times. Um, and I'm the story and experience pastor, which just means I'm a pastor who helps do things on the weekends um, currently. And we were at Christ Church of Ornogo from the spring of 2007, uh, came on staff, and then kind of went back and forth from Indy uh, from our previous ministry in Indianapolis, and uh, came over here officially in the summer of 2007, and were there on staff until the winter of 2012, and then we left Southwest Missouri in 2014 to come back here to Indianapolis, to Indian Creek. Okay, so as we get started, uh, and just excited again to kind of walk through this part of your life and the life of the church, uh, what was the, when was the first time that you actually heard of Christ Church of Ornogo? That's, that's an interesting story. Um, the first time I ever heard of Christ Church of Ornogo was, I, I, I want to say it was 2004, 2005, Scott. Uh, and I was a middle school pastor in here in the Indianapolis area in Greenwood, Indiana, at Mount Pleasant Christian Church. We had been there for a while, and I got a phone call from Bryce Hansen. Out of the blue, I believe Nathan Head had um, taken a job in Louisville, or in Lexington, Kentucky, at Southland Christian Church. And Bryce had called and wanted to know if I was interested in potentially moving to Southwest Missouri to a place I had never heard of, Orinogo, Missouri. Uh, I got a call and, you know, we, we, were, we were doing middle school ministry currently and, and we're loving it. And we didn't feel that there was any reason to, for us to move from what we were doing. God hadn't called us yet. And that's the first time it was on the radar. We, we just thanked Bryce for the call. We were honored to get it and we moved on. And I had mentioned it to Katie, but we didn't spend much time talking about it. Now, 
what I found out later was uh, Katie had been praying about this church that she heard what I thought was just in passing when she had met, when I had mentioned this to her. Uh, she started praying for this, this Christ Church of Ornogo. And you fast forward to uh, the winter, probably like, I'm guessing February of 2007. And I was at a, a youth pastor's conference put on by Christ and Youth. We were in San Diego, California. And I was having a conversation with Jason French and Johnny Scott. And they started telling me about uh, this, this church, their church, their home church there in Missouri that they attended. Um, they were looking for a high school pastor because Bryce had moved on and was actually had just moved to Kentucky. And um, got in contact with you. I think you reached out within a couple of days, had a few conversations, made a visit uh, by myself, got, got picked up by Dan McGrew in a limousine in Arkansas, yeah. which is not how most stories start. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then came back for a second visit with Katie. And she was pregnant with, with our second child. She was pregnant with Micah at the time. And we drove from Indy to, uh, to Ornogo. We just wanted to see how far that drive would be for us if we, if we were to make this move. Because neither of us had ever been away from family within like a two and a half hour time span, like a drive. Right. Um, and so that was new or would be new. And so uh, when we made that drive and we came to Christchurch, we visited, it was, a, it was a Wednesday night. So we, saw, we got to see some, some programming going on in the building, got to see some, some Bible studies going on for students. And then we met with the elders. And I remember, I remember a couple things. I remember Clifford Wirt looking at me and Katie and, you know, we had seen the whole church. And Cliff, Clifford just said with a big smile, he says, as you can see, we're, uh, we're not really about things here. We're really more about people at Christ Church. Um, just kind of in reference to, he knew some of the context of churches, of the church that we were at in, in Indianapolis. Um, and then to be out in the middle, what to us just felt like the middle of nowhere at that time. It's just a big, big, big change. And he said, we're, we're more about people, but in order for us to be more about people here in the future, we're going to have to become more about things and creating new spaces and resources to connect not just our people currently to deeper places with Christ, but, but people who don't know the Lord yet. And I remember looking over and locking eyes with, with my wife, and she's smiling as tears are dripping down her chin, and, and she's, she's just kind of like got her hand on her, on her pregnant tummy. And I thought, oh boy, um, I think God's doing something in our, in our hearts. And then um, I remember being on the parking lot with you as we were leaving and, you know, I hate to put you on the spot, but I, but I remember having this conversation with you. We were, we were in the parking lot and it was pretty dark and uh, the headlights were on of the car that we had rented and we were getting ready to go, you know, call it a night. And you were looking at me in the beams of, the, of those headlights and you kind of had your fingers out as to say like, we're this close. We are this close yep. to just busting loose and seeing some really cool things here. And I hope you had a, a chance to, to catch a glimpse of that while you were with us tonight. And, and it was at that point, we, we kind of knew, Scott, that, that, God, that God was calling us to Christ Church of Ornogo. Well, you were, I was on staff of a church in, on the west side of Indianapolis uh, in the early 2000s, and I had heard your name 
And the reason why I had heard your name was is because you were at Mount Pleasant and y'all had either two or 300 junior high kids in small groups. And I was like, who does that? So when, <laughs> when, when Nathan had stepped down to go out to Lexington, Kentucky, Bryce was like, do you know some people? I was like, I don't know this guy personally, but I heard his name multiple times because I, th- you know, just because what you were able to do there with the middle school part of that, but yeah, I remember that we flew out to Indianapolis and met you in a in the restaurant there in Indiana, mm-hmm. uh, Indianapolis Airport there, and just had lunch with you. And it was myself and I think Peter Buckland and Lynn Ragsdale. That's correct. And we kind of walked through ministry philosophy, and then we never left the airport. We got back on a plane that afternoon and flew back, and then uh, and then we we had staff go back out there again and meet with you and and. Katie and answer Katie's questions because, you know, one of the things that you said multiple times through this was is that you'd never wanted to get ahead of Katie on this. And I just really remember that and just remember that we had more conversations with both of you together than probably I had ever had of, you know, when talking to a a staff person about possibly coming on to a church. So that was a pretty, you know, just just love that about seeing that, you know, with you and Katie this way that you saw ministry. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, there's when it, when it comes to ministry, there's there isn't a me. There's a there's a definite we, and and I'm just extremely grateful. I've I had I've, I've got a wife who has a a man. I put her heart up against anyone's for for just ministry, and and for students and the church, the local church, and um, we have all God is always as He's spoken to us about really major decisions in particular, like a move, he's never, he's never had me out in front or her. We have always been in step and toe, which is how we've just kind of known. And it was, and it was evident in the Christchurch move. Do you remember, uh, you kind of hit on it a little bit early in the conversation here, but just what it looked like for your family to get moved here? Do you remember any of that time uh, with them? I mean, yeah, uh, we had at the time, Abram was not quite two and, and Katie was very, very, very pregnant with, with Micah. And so we were a young family. We didn't know what we were doing, but we tried to pretend like we were becoming experts as, as we were building the plane of parenting. And, um, it, it was, it was it was an experience that we just had to really lean in. And, you know, this is the biggest part of the story is that move was we had to really start like practicing what we preach. I mean, you know, this like in church, right. especially with like students and it, you're, you, you talk about doing life with one another. You talk about the importance of community. You talk about life groups. You talk about um, encouraging one another, loving on one another, being there for one another, being vulnerable and being open. And when we moved, we, we really had, we had, some, we had some decisions to make because, you know, my family was from central Illinois and that's where my first ministry was at before we moved to Greenwood. And then when we were in the Indianapolis area, Katie is from Indianapolis. So her family attended church with us and we're volunteers in our ministry. And so we were never very far from home ever until we moved to Christ Church of Ornogo. And we were eight hours away from everyone, eight to probably eight to, to nine hours away from everybody. And um, 
you know, that, that journey, we hadn't sold our house yet. We were living in a duplex. Micah was born. We had a newborn and, and, you know, I don't know if you remember, but Micah did not sleep much for the, about the first eight months. No. Which put me driving around the streets of Carthage, Missouri and Webb city in the middle of the night, just so Katie could catch a couple hours of sleep. And, uh, I'd come home and now, Ava would be up. <laughs> now, now the baby was in the car, like in the back seat, like in Correct. the car seat. Yes. Right? Okay. Yeah. Let me, let me. It sounds like you yeah, just said no. that you drove around for a little while. Yeah. No, I, I, I took Micah with me to give her and, and Abram a little bit of a break and, uh, got to know the streets of Carthage and Webb city that way. And, um, and so it, it was, it was these moments where we just had to call Lynn and Betsy Ragsdale at two or three o'clock in the morning. And, and it's true. I mean, Lynn would answer that phone. Like he was awake, like doing his yard. And just, <laughs> I'll never forget that. I, I was like, I don't think I woke that man up, but he, <laughs> and Betsy came right over and, and sat with Katie and held the baby. And we had people like uh, Kim Golden and Tammy Stevens who would come over and just sit with Katie and got her connected to mom's connection and the families of Christ church. Just, this is when it became home. And, uh, you know, something that we say often still to this day is because of things like that, we, we still consider Christ church, our, our church home. Absolutely. Uh, in many ways. So in your first year of ministry here, you had a newborn you're trying to get everything adjusted. What was that first year like? Do you remember much about it? Because, you know, Kent Williams and Lynn Ragsdale, when we interviewed them, they all just kind of talked about, and even kind of Mark as well, just it's kind of a blur. And they didn't remember like a lot of it. Do you, uh, do you remember much of your first year here? Yeah, I, I, there, there are some mile markers. You know, I don't remember everything. They, they kind of run, the first two to three kind of run together. But what I will say uh, is, is they were, they were now context is everything. Okay. I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm being overdramatic or it's a threat level midnight on the scale of a one to 10. I'm not saying it's a 10, but I would say at that time where we were uh, in life, uh, we, we were outside of our comfort zone and there were, there were seasons of it being hard. And, and I don't mean in, in anything other than just how God was stretching us and how we had to rely uh, on, on people. There were some staffing things that needed to get figured out. Culture was changing. Uh, we had to build new, new relationships. We had to make that place home. We were a young family, away from family, trying to build a team uh, of staff and leaders and, and kind of build a, a system. And so... You know, I remember when I left Mount Pleasant, there was a volunteer and a dad uh, of some of some kids in our in our student ministry there, and he's just a just a a solid guy, and and he got it. He he was pretty sharp. His name was Bruce, and I remember Bruce telling me he's like, whatever you do, whenever you go there, commit to not changing anything for a year. And I was like, you're crazy. <laughs> He's like, you, you, you think I'm crazy when, when you want to change something, you call me and I'll talk you out of it. You got to spend some time asking good questions, getting to know people, building relationships, asking why things are the way that they are, understand context. And then when you start to make moves after that first year, you will do so with the people around you. It won't be things that you do without them. Uh, that was some solid advice. 
you gave me some solid advice uh, in, in kind of in the same and asking a lot of questions kind of set us up for that next year. But that first year was hard as you work through staffing things and trying to recruit volunteers and let people get to know you and who you are and, and also trying to build a, a, a youth ministry system around a culture that's new to you and, and people that you're getting to know. Do you, uh, so that was one of the things to where is a couple of questions that I sent to you wanted just to talk about. And one of them was, uh, how did you build the volunteer base here to, for those that serve in student ministry? Because, um, you know, when you have, uh, leadership change in student ministry, it's not uncommon for, uh, some people to take that as a moment to like, I think I'm a step away. So by the time you got here, um, we didn't have a lot of volunteers in that area. Do you remember how you kind of started to build that base? Um, well, there, you know, it's 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 funny. I didn't have a formula. Um, I didn't, and so to to pretend like I have one now would just would be silly. I, I still don't have a formula to it. But if I had to look back and articulate it in some ways of why we made certain moves, um, you know, one was I wanted to. I really wanted to get to know our students. I wanted to provide, um, I wanted to provide the, the most solid programming that we could possibly provide for them. I wanted to make sure that that was a long drive out from, in my, in my mind, you know, that the church isn't, you're not just driving by the church ever. Right. And so when you think in terms of students, not all of them drive themselves. And so they're going to, it's going to require a ride. And so you, you, you have to, you really have to kind of build this or instill some trust and credibility that what we're going to do is going to be worth our time. And it wasn't for like, oh, they're going to entertain me. I, I really wanted to make it be that there was going to be something that God was doing something in our, in our time together, that we were calling them to something more or greater than just going through middle school or high school. And so I wanted to, I just wanted to provide the most excellent kind of programming that we could do. Uh, and, and the, and the next was, this was, this kind of came out of the conversations that we had with students um, over the course of several months is just kind of asking questions and observing stuff. They really wanted to, they wanted a place they could bring their friends. Right. And so that's what we, that's what we tried to give them a place that they could bring their friends and they, they, they wouldn't be embarrassed in inviting their friends. And that's not to say that it was embarrassing before. It was just that this is just what they were saying. And so, you know, early on, we were able to start building a team. Uh, we hired Jordan Howerton to be our youth worship leader. And then we hired Luke Green to be our preteen and like a middle school and junior high pastor. Yeah, so starting to establish a team, we had Tina Hill, who was our administrative assistant, and then later on, Sarah Hill. Uh, but with the volunteers, you know, you start having this, I, I hate to use the word vision, but you've got this picture of how you want it to be and what you want to provide for students. And, you know, the thing you love about Southwest Missouri, especially when you're an outsider coming in, there's a different set of resources that God calls you to steward. Um, you've got you've got this fruit of Ozark Christian College and Christ in Youth and 
uh, right here with, with Christ Church of Ornogo and several people are, this is where they call home, where they come to church. And so finding ways to use some of these incredible, incredible minds and voices to speak into the lives of teenagers, well, that became a real fun thing for me. So that, that, that kind of worked with the programming. You got your staff and you got some things that you can provide, but then the volunteers, um, you know, again, I'll go back to, you got to practice what you preach. And we had to, we really had to make friends. And I think if I had anything to say about my time at Christ Church is I didn't have a team of volunteers. I got to do ministry with my best friends. Hmm. And so when I think of the volunteers and what we got to do together for the kingdom in Southwest Missouri and beyond, I got to do rich ministry with some of my dearest friends that I still, still call friends today. Um, and it, you know, Katie and I, we, we talk about that time in our life and our ministry still today. One of the things that, uh, you had the challenge of, of doing and through the conversations and it kind of goes back to what you said. They wanted something to be able to do, to bring their friends to talking about the students. Uh, but at that time, the worship experience for students was on Sunday morning and it was more of a, more of a Bible school or or a Bible study on Wednesday nights. Uh, but through our conversations, we knew that we were, we needed to shift that, but also we were starting to see growth in numbers and we've talked about this with Mark and talked about this with Lynn, um, but we had to get somebody out of the building. So we began to talk about building something for students. I'd love for you just to even talk about how we moved, how we, you know, moved the worship service to Wednesday nights, how we made that change, and also just about what is now our Student Ministry Center North. Love for you just to have a little bit of, you know, take some time to talk through that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, let me, let me start and finish with saying this. The leadership of Christ Church of Ornogo allowed us to do some things because they, be, they believed in us, they trusted us, they had faith in us, and they, they never left our side. You know, I say leadership. You're talking staff, you're talking elders, you're talking families that are just highly invested in this church. And uh, to have that as a young, as a young pastor, you know, there's there's no amount of money that you can put on that at all. And so, having that in any kind of changes that we made allowed us to feel like these changes that they they were the right moves. So, the the yeah the the move to from Sundays to Wednesdays is I had never done that before. I'd always had kind of like your large group gathering for students on a Sunday night, uh, this one, and, and also on a Sunday morning. So that felt very similar. But when we came in and you start hearing students say that they really want a place that they can bring their friends and Sunday morning feels like it's a little bit of, a, of an obstacle for that. That's one of those changes that we were able to, over time, kind of plan and strategically prepare for um, of making that shift to Wednesday night. Because some other things aligned with how you saw some growth. You, you know, Christchurch is an anomaly where you see so many people coming on a Sunday morning, but you got so many people who are coming back on Sunday night that are involved in all sorts of classes and groups and studies. And it, and it would provided an opportunity for if mom and dad are coming out here 
or if their kids are coming out here, we have something for both audiences, or we could potentially. And it also provided an opportunity for them to invite their friends day of um, when when at school. So right. we made that we made that shift. There was a little bit of resistance to it. I remember. I'm not going to throw the student under the bus, but he knows who he is. Uh, he sent me. We, we it's when we shifted for the very first time, and Sunday morning became more of a class structure for our students. And um, it got a, got a message on Facebook from this freshman uh, student, and he it was articulate. It was well thought out. And it had a, a beginning and a middle and an end. And that conclusion was you made the wrong decision and you need to change it back because this is gonna <laughs> this is gonna be disastrous. And I remember thinking, what if he's right? What if he's right? But the leadership, the leadership was was just never not with us and supporting us and uh mm. just game changer. And uh to see the amount of students that started responding to that and inviting their friends and coming out to to Wednesday nights, it was it was the hand of God, Scott. It was the hand of God. And you know, so one of then the, oh, that, go that's ahead. A, and I was just gonna say, and that was a that was a powerful thing. And one of the things that we've talked about before is is that uh we were allowed to try things, our eldership, if they knew we had put the prayer and the time into it. And don't you kind of feel that that us having the freedom to change things at times as a staff of what we saw going on was like a huge thing for all of us that, yep. that I yep. think we underestimate the power of that sometimes. hundred percent. And it, it doesn't mean that they're hands off as far as like, Oh yeah, we, we believe in you do whatever you want. Oh, there, there were questions. And sometimes those questions were hard to answer, and we had to squirm in our seats to to provide answers. But but right. you know when you've got a Dan McGrew standing in the back of the room, and and we have to print off an extra check in sheet for him because he sees who's there and who's not, and he's going out into the community to talk to these students and invite them himself, or or he you know he's just running his fingers over every one of those names and praying for them by name. That's the kind of stuff that just is different when you realize Southwest Missouri. It's not all. It's not all like it's done in Southwest Missouri. In other places, uh, it is. It's a. There's just hand of God things going on that are that are beautiful there. And you brought up the building, Scott. That was scary. I mean, you know that, right? Yep. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we. If I remember right, we made a decision. That what we were one we were we were down one large group space somewhere, right? And and we saw some growth happening with student ministry, and and so the decision was made that we were going to build a student ministry center, and we didn't have a senior minister at the time. And and when we were having those conversations, I, I was like, y'all are y'all are crazy, <laughs> y'all are crazy. Well. And when we, so when we figured out, so it was, uh, uh, to do it, one of the things was, is you wanted the, you know, they wanted the big room venue to be able to have that, the big fellowship thing, because that's a big part of Christ Church is that area, you know, ability to have fellowship. And then even, you know, the classes, you know, the classrooms and things like that. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of that layout of that building, you, you worked and kind of designed that with you know, with Dan McGrew, but, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, there were definitely moments of that, that we were doing that, that 
we didn't have a clue. We would just ask Dan, could we do something? And usually the first answer was no. Uh, and then he'd come back around, you know, with it. So Yeah, but but all all these years later, <laughs> you know, all these years later, when people ask about that still, and and when I just, you know, you you start coming down to decisions that you gotta make and you start thinking about how you saw other decisions made. Uh, and like how you learn lessons from other leaders that that you got to watch. And here, here's here's just what I know. Christ Church of Ornogo has always believed in the next generation. And they don't just say it. Yep. They do it. They believe it. It is who they are. They believe in the next generation. And uh, that was a move that they felt like if we can continue to reach students in our community, their family will come. And the next thing we had to do once that building had been built, the next the next thing we we're talking about was building a new worship center. Yep. Because their family started coming. One one of my favorite memories of building uh, uh, SMC North was uh, uh, you you called me and you're like, like where are you? And I said because the concrete had been poured, and uh, I was heading out to the church. And he's like, where are you right now? So I'm headed out there. He goes, you need to come out here and look at this concrete. I don't know if this thing's big enough. And then I walk out there and I was like, hey, it doesn't feel as big as it's going to be until you put the sides on it. And then when the sides came up, you were like, uh, I don't, th- th- this might be too big. Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah. you know. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> just, I just remember us looking at that. But it, but we had never done, a, you know, like I said, we had never really been a part of that type of a building program, any of us, you know, and, and just so grateful for uh, the decision that they let us make, but also, uh, you know, Dan being patient with us, letting us figure out and asking hard questions, you know, and, but it was, but, but what a journey. Do you remember the first event opening up and using that building? Any, any memories there of, of it? Uh, I I mean, vague, vaguely, that's, that's when it really starts kind of going together because most nights I just was kind of breathing heavy into a paper bag because, you know, <laughs> Uh, but I, but I, I do remember, I remember kind of one night we had, a, we hosted a fifth quarter party uh, for FCA at Web City after a football game. And those are some of my favorite nights because you, what, what you had in your mind, your envision, how you envision this building being used. And, and, and when you kind of explain this to people, when you're looking out into a field that nothing's there yet, and then you stand back and you see it and there's you know, hundreds of kids that are there and it's you, every, every element of the building is being used to its purpose. And it's just so many, so many kids, Uh, you you know, those are some of my favorite moments early on when, when you're standing back and then all of a sudden, as you're doing that, here comes, here comes two elders, here comes Peter Buckland and Scott Boudreau, because, you know, that there, there again, let's just say this, who's serving drinks to kids Mark and Heather Christian, who's walking around making sure that students are having a great time. Elders, Dan McGrew, Scott Boudreaux, Peter Buckland, Scott Inspinger's out there. Our staff is out there. This was a, this was an all church win. It wasn't just something that our student ministry was doing. Um, I, I, and, and I, I would say also that whole project too, it wasn't something that student ministry was doing. It was a labor of love for our staff. And the leadership, everybody had a hand in that. 
what would be some things that um, I think the way I worded on the, when I sent the question to you was is what did God teach you during your time at Christ Church as far as leadership goes or anything like that? What are some things that God taught you during that time? Yeah, it's like the hardest question to answer because it's just the longest list. Um, I think that, you know, I think the biggest one is that God's idea of better is always better than ours. We, we, we never saw ourselves moving to a place that we, we couldn't pronounce when we lived in Indianapolis. And uh, on paper, it didn't make sense. But we found our church home. Um, it will forever be our home church. It grew us up. I mean, we, you know, we came there with a, a little boy who was about 18, 19 months old, going to be two, with a, a baby on the way. We left with, with three sons and, and all kinds of friends and ministry experiences. I mean, Scott, we were there during the tornado. Right. Uh, the, the, the lessons that, I mean, that's a whole other conversation of lessons being learned through that, a transition of, of a senior leader, seeing Lynn step out the way that he did and being able to, to see Mark come in and, and to watch the church become that it, what it is today. Um, I'd, but I'd say the biggest thing is the lesson learned from watching the, the, the elders lead with faith and through faith and prayer. You know, the, the thing that I always kind of come back to is Christ Church of Ornogo's leadership has always challenged me to save room for the Holy Spirit to do his very best work. Don't, don't do anything that you get to take full credit for, because when you're trying to rob God of his glory, it never works out well but to save room for, for God and the Holy Spirit to do things that you don't get to take credit for. You just get to stand back and watch and go, yep, that, that was that step of faith that we, that we needed him to show up and do what we couldn't do, but, but we were going to maximize all of our efforts and then leave everything else up to him and in his hands and, and then just be in, in, in awe when he does it. And then that word when, not if, but that when, there is this belief, this, this faith that God is always going to show up because he always has before that leadership has taught me that lesson. And still, I mean, it's just, those are, those are things I have to think about on a, on a, on a regular basis. What do you think being at Christchurch prepared you for in the journey that you've done the last few years, even in this last transition of having more leadership there uh, at the Creek in Indianapolis? What, what do you think about your time here at Christchurch helped you with that? Yeah, I think I'd go back to what I just said. I, I think that if anybody who works with me today, you know, whether it's on our leadership team or it's the team that I lead, uh, it, it's that line. We have to save room for God to show up. Uh, we got to save room for the Holy Spirit to do things that we can't take credit for, to make room. Um, it, it, that it, that's probably one of the biggest ones. And, and, and another is, you know, you spend time, in the trenches with people, you, you, here's the lessons that you can continue to, to learn is you got, you got to rely, you got to practice what you preach when it comes to community. Um, and you, you got to, you got to be able to do the things yourself that you're asking other people to do. Christ church has, has never not modeled that for us, whether it be in prayer or community, vulnerability, worship, um, and, and, and even just a bar of excellence without, without trying to be too pretty, you know? Right uh, or or polished, just be right. just be who you are. And, well, uh, some of the best lessons. One of the things that um, 
um, I, I feel like, and I've told you through the years where I think that you're gifted is the way that you plan out, uh, whether it be a sermon series or a year, um, would just love for you just quickly kind of tell someone if you're, if, if the fall is coming and you have a, just how you would kind of walk through uh, a theme from a fall to the rest of that school year, how that worked for you. Um, again, that's a hard question. I don't have necessarily a formula. I think the the number one thing is you got to, you, I would, I, what I would do is, is back away and just kind of look at the calendar and look at opportunities that are there that you could just maximize. You know, you've got, you've got strengths in certain opportunities that are going to show up on the calendar because it, it just is. And, uh, then we, we always just kind of felt like doing our best to have a pulse on the room to know where your students are, which is, again, that's where your life group leaders come, have always come in hand, like come in, 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 in clutch for us, having those relationships with your small group leaders, those who are mentoring and walking with students to know where your students are, you get to understand the climate of the room. And so then you get to kind of set um, the conversation up. And if you can fight for that pulse and that, that you kind of know your environment, you know where your students are. And it just gave us, felt like we were, it felt like we were starting to have the conversations at the right time as opposed to a little bit late or being tone deaf because we had a message that we wanted to preach, but it didn't, that wasn't the most important message. And so when you start to be able to do that, then, you know, that that's, you play, you really build a strength around some of your big moments, like a CIY move going into it and coming out of it. Again, it's also like, don't let that be, we tried to not let that just be something that our students did, but that was a big win for our entire church. It was an investment from our entire church. It's a big budget hit. And you're asking people to scholarship students to be able to go to, so that they could have that experience. So it, it, it is an investment. So you got to celebrate the return and you got to be able to communicate the things to celebrate. Uh, so how do, you, how do you set that up? Not just for your student ministry, but for your whole church. And that, all of that just kind of plays into because moms and dads get excited about it. Volunteers want to be a part of it. Uh, and, and students want to bring their friends. Uh, I, I, I think that's the best stab I could take at it today, Scott. I think that's a good answer. Um, what's uh, some favorite, you know, what's a favorite memory of yours when you look back at your time at Christ Church? One thing that you just look at, and this is one of, just a favorite memory. A, a ton. I mean, so just shotgun real quick. The students, the volunteers, the families, the staff, going on missions trips all over the place. CIY moves uh, in Michigan, getting to do weddings of former students, big, big one. Um, watching the church take care of my wife and my kids at times when we just got to see the church show up and be the church. Watching our, our, our staff uh, and church just respond to different tragic things that come up, whether they just be isolated events internal things or like the, the tornado. But I think I got two stories, Scott. And the first one is, is uh, we, we came home from CIY move and I, I don't think we had a senior pastor at the time. I think this was just before Mark was coming. 
But we had been up at Michigan and we came home and we had some baptisms on a Sunday and we did baptisms differently on that Sunday. I don't know if this was the first time or just somewhere in the mix, but we were in the old worship room, which is where the children's ministry area is today. And we were in there uh, and we had baptisms happen during worship. And so some of the kids, they got baptized and they were wearing the white robes and when the baptisms have happened, the music was still going and people were celebrating and worshiping. And uh, the students came out in prompt too. They came out onto the stage in their like their wet clothes right out of the baptistry and started dancing and worshiping on stage with the band. Not planned. And I didn't know what to do in that moment because I'm like, I think we're going to get in trouble. I think I'm in trouble. There's an email that's coming. That was my first thought. And then I watched the congregation respond because it was like this, they, they rushed, the people rushed the stage and went, went past the steps onto the stage and were hugging these kids and praying with them. And the band is still playing and kind of looking around and looking at me and I just said, keep going, keep going. And I, I don't know how long it lasted. I don't know if we did that song again or did another song. I don't know. I just know that that, that moment, it was a defining moment. I don't know if it was a defining moment for Christchurch. I know it was a defining moment for me and my time at Christchurch because you got to see the hearts of the people. And I remember Clifford Wirt being one of the first people up on that stage, grabbing one of those kids and just hugging them and tears running down that man's face. Yep. The other was uh, a meeting that we had one day. Um, we were getting ready to do a, a financial series on stewardship. And the, the question was, are we going to purchase this book, which was a resource for the series that we were going to do? Uh, we were going to purchase these books where there would be one book per family, or were we going to charge money for the books? And this was a big conversation some staff got brought in. The elders were a part of it. It was a longer meeting in the midweek and an, and an evening. And we were really kind of going back and forth whether this was the right thing to do. Buy the books and give them out for free or have families pay the 10 bucks per book. It does at, Sitting here, not knowing the context, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But money was pretty tight at that time. Absolutely. And I know I was nervous when the decision was made that we were going to, in faith, purchase these books and give them to every family for free uh, and then just leave everything else in God's hands. And that's, you know, we prayed about it. There was this, you know, resolve or confidence isn't even the right word. It was like the elders, you could see it on their face, how they were responding to a challenge. And that this was, this was uh, one of these moments of obedience and acts of faith that you got to see on display. And I'm like, this, these people, they, they're just built different. And that's when I remember Peter Buckland using the line that I still use today. We're going to save room for, for the Holy Spirit to do things that we don't get to take credit for. Hang on, Chad, this is going to be a ride. Yeah. And, and in that conversation, they asked us, I don't know if you remember this part or not, but they said, would you want to do this? Because <laughs> we were, because because we, we were not in the black at that time, we were in the red, yep. and they're like, "Do you? Would you want to do this series? Do you believe enough to do this series?" Because we didn't have a senior minister at this time. 
if we were already in the black, if we were like, we'd like to say yes, we would. <laughs> but but it was one of those man, what what a defining moment. And then yeah. someone made the comment in there. Well, then we're going to pray that we're in the black before that sermon series starts. Yep. Yep. And you remember? And you remember what happened that Sunday? Yeah, I do. I yeah. I was actually in Indianapolis. I came back to be with family. And uh, church had happened, and we were you. You called, and it was foggy. Like you said something, and there was some noise going on in the background. I had to call you back and say, "What did you just say?" And you said that we were in the black. Yeah, and the largest I, at that time, one of the largest offerings ever given to the church. And and I, I I couldn't believe it. I remember it was it was dark outside and it was snowing, and I and I got right out of my uh, out of my truck and I just prayed and just thank God. It was it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. We we came out that Christmas Eve service telling the congregation about that whole thing, and it was man, what a time that that well, that was a great, just a great memory, but also just the reality that how faithful our church is, but how faithful God is. You know, oh, yes, the, sir. That was awesome. So, Chad, as we just thank you so much for your time, and as we wrap this up, we just love for you as. Just asking this question for the next seventy years of Christ Church. With uh, this is um, this December actually is the seventieth anniversary on December the ninth. But as we uh, as we are now beginning to pray for the next seventy years, what's your prayer for Christ Church for those next seventy years? Oh man, you know I think the first thing that just come what, what I want to say is run it back. I mean, there's just so many things of that you've seen God do that you want you just want him to continue to just do like do it again. Do it again, but do but do it in fresh ways. You know, I, I think that I I pray um that those elders ne- never lose. It doesn't matter, like it doesn't matter if the elders can come and go, but that the eldership never lose what they've always had. And that, that fire just to continue to um save room for God to do bigger things than they can take credit for, uh, to be a place to fight to stay small, but to grow as large as, as the kingdom allows. Um, man, I I got nothing but gratitude. Katie and, and, and myself, we have nothing but gratitude. Our oldest son is planning to go to Ozark Christian College um, next, next fall. And so that's new for us. And we're going to be coming... <laughs> Um, we're going to be making that trip as often as we possibly can. And we know where we're going to be worshiping. And, and I, I just, nothing but, just nothing but gratitude that we have for the, for, for what our family still considers our church home. Run it back. I think that's a great prayer. I I can't thank you enough for doing this. And for those listening to this podcast, if this, uh, time together of just talking about, uh, the faithfulness of God and what we've learned through the last 70 years, if this, uh, is something that you know that someone else would need to hear, or if it's something that would encourage someone else, just encourage just, just to let them know about this podcast and let them know they can find this and other podcasts from Christ Church just by searching Christ Church of Orinogo or CCO Church, wherever they get their podcasts. Thank you so much for listening today. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Orinogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christchurch, visit us online at cco.church.